It's football commercial season. Become a USA Today Ad Meter panelist and watch and rate the big game commercials. You'll be entered to win a trip to the big game in 2022 just for registering. Sign up now and see official rules at admeter.usatoday.com. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to The Counter. Super Bowl 55 is set. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs, Steven Ruiz, Charles McDonald, joining me, Chris Corman. What do you guys think about this matchup? Are you excited? Uh, it's Tom Brady again. Like, who, who, It's hard to get excited about it. I wanted to see Rodgers Mahomes, so no, I'm not excited about it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm excited because we get to see Pat play again, but... Brady, another Brady Super Bowl doesn't do anything for me. Like, if he wins, whatever. We've already seen six of them. What's one more? I, if, if now, if the Bills would have won last night, I would I would have been depressed today. I don't even think I would have even watched the Super Bowl if it wasn't my job. Wow, I might have just quit the job, and so I didn't have to write about a, a Josh <laughs> Allen Tom Brady Super Bowl. To be honest, that is bold. I mean, there's there's decent storylines. There's uh. It feels like Brady is. I don't know. I mean, I mean, dude, the country has Brady fatigue, right? Like, I, I'm I'm having trouble reading it because there's like there's so much love for Brady, too. There's so much. Yeah, he's the greatest I, champion of all time. Uh, I think the fatigue might be down a little bit because it's on a new team. Yeah, uh, interesting. I I I just am not moved anymore by like. Brady getting back to the Super Bowl. I mean, the guy is just, we were talking about before we recorded, but I mean, how lucky is this dude? I mean, to throw three picks, two of them, which were pretty bad. And then uh, you get the first home Super Bowl in NFL history, <laughs> your first year with the Buccaneers. I mean, whatever, dude. Just win or lose, just get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> We need we need a new storyline. Uh, we're gonna go through it. We're gonna uh, talk about the AFC and NFC championship games, uh, sort of how those those unfolded. We'll take a look at how uh, sort of a deeper look at how Tampa Bay and Kansas City navigated the season and got here. Uh, Stephen has already published his early predictions for how he think the game will unfold. So we'll sort of dig in on that and, and also look at some other matchups and, and situations that we think will dictate how this game is played. Also going to look at both the Bills and Packers, what their future holds, because uh, it's actually really interesting. I mean, I think the the Aaron Rodgers, uh, that dude was just decimated yesterday in his post-game press conference. He looked like a guy who was ready <laughs> just to uh, never be heard from again. I mean, he just really, uh, it, it, that loss hit him, and he not so thinly, uh, made it clear that he's thinking about not being on the Packers last year. Whatever that, whatever form that takes, uh, that is clearly on his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what goes goes on there. And uh, the Bills seem like a, a really up and coming team, but they have a fair bit of work to do in the offseason to keep things together. Uh, so we'll dig in on all of that. Sort of open up this this two-week span, <laughs> two weeks of, of hype starting right now for this 
for Super Bowl Fifty Five. Yay! Well, the good news is we have a we have a fresh new quarterback to write about in Tom Brady. Never <laughs> never written about him going to a Super Bowl before. So who's sure. excited? Uh, who's excited for two weeks of Brady versus Belichick discourse? Let's go! Oh, <laughs> it already started one of my group chats last night. Someone was like, "This proves that Brady didn't need Bill, or that or no, this proves that Brady made Bill." Like, what about that game proved that to you? I mean, like, what are we doing here? It's like, we're just... Absolutely we're just, nothing. Just saw a dub and oh, Brady won. That means yeah. uh, Belichick sucks. Also, yeah. like, the Bucks had the number one defense. And, like, the argument for Belichick is that his defense is, like, carried Brady when he needed it. Not, like, obviously, they didn't carry him all the time. But he has the number one defense. So it's basically, basically like he has Belichick on his team right now. Wow. Steven, I was shocked last night when I was reading your post and realized that Steve Spagnola, the defense coordinator for the Chiefs, was also the guy who came up with the defensive game plan that helped the Giants uh, beat the, un- the the Patriots way back. Like, what year was that? I believe it was 2007. 2007? Like, we're just, like, like, we literally are just repeating narrative storylines. Uh <laughs> A decade and a half later. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the 2007 Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do think the plan is going to change a little bit. I don't think it's going to be four-man rushes this time. Getting yeah. the break. I think I think Spag's going to blitz him a little more. He did in the first game. I'll say that. Well, let's, uh, let's start with uh, Tampa Bay beating Green Bay and how this unfolded uh, yesterday. As Charles has already mentioned, Tom Brady was uh, just okay. He was good in the first half, uh, and but he but he benefited again. The luck thing he benefited from uh, just an atrocious defensive call at the end of the the first half that led to a Scotty Miller touchdown. Oh, it just it just made no sense. Whatever Miller just ran uh, down the sideline with a guy, a six foot three guy, Kevin King, who. <laughs> it's just not quick enough to do anything that Green Bay was asking him to do yesterday. Uh, and he had a really rough day. Uh, but Brady yeah. was was not good in the second half. Ended up with three interceptions. And as Charles said, the, the Packers were unable to capitalize. And then even when they got in position to capitalize, they were cowards and uh, decided to kick instead of go for a touchdown. Uh-huh. And so... What did you guys take away from this game? I mean, what what are your big lessons learned here, and, and how will they apply as we look forward to the Super Bowl? Um, I don't. I have, my my take was on the Packers. Pretty much, like they need a new defensive coordinator, man. Like, yeah. And, and like, it, it's just that play before halftime where any any Madden player, like anyone that's played Madden, can tell you that. If you are in a situation where the other team doesn't have any timeouts, they're out of field goal range, and they, they literally just one desperation play before the half, like they're going to throw the ball to the end zone, of course, because like why wouldn't they? If like if, if they're within the distance to do that and uh, too far for a field goal, no timeouts, like you're not going to throw it to the middle of the field because then the half is over and it's just like you might as well just knelt and we can move on. But if you're going to go out there and run a play, obviously they're going to throw deep. And Mike Pettin just called his defense that protected the middle of the field and left both his safety and his corner unprotected. And I say he left his corner unprotected because, like, based on how the game had already unfolded to that point, there's no reason to leave Kevin King in, like, one-on-one coverage against anybody. Uh, and 
you know, Kevin King got torched by Scotty Miller and the safety was playing single high and it's just too much ground for like any safety not named Ed Reed, uh, formerly <laughs> Cooker while he was at Ohio State to cover. Uh, right. And he, he couldn't get there in time and it was a touchdown. It's like, dude, all you had to do was just like go put four safeties on the end zone and anything that's not a touchdown probably is a win for you. Like even an incomplete pass is obviously better than a touchdown. If you make the tackle before uh, the goal line, then you know that you're going into halftime without giving up a touchdown and you gave up, like you called the second worst coverage possible. In that situation. <laughs> the only thing worse than that would have been like the cover zero blitz where there were no safety. Right. Right. Uh, right. So I don't, it's just bad. It, the funny thing to me with like all the Kevin King stuff that happened yesterday is he looks like the most like unathletic, uncoordinated player out there in the field. But if you go back and you look at his uh, combine performance, he's like one of the most athletic cornerbacks in the NFL. And it, it, it's just baffling to see him routinely like put himself out of position to make these plays. Like the first touchdown he gave up to Mike Evans, he jumped like I think I saw it. I mean, it might have been Steven, but somebody tweeted that Kevin King jumped on Saturday to try to deflect that (laughs) ball from Mike from Mike Evans. And it's just like, man, like you're you're putting this guy in such bad situations where, you know, he's not going to be able to do it for you. And Mike Penn just did that over and over and over again uh, versus Tampa Bay. But that play versus halftime is the one that stands out. It's like you guys got to get someone in here because. This is t- this is two NFC Championship games you've blown because your defense has just had no chance to stop the other team. Right, and for, and King was hurt. He was listed as questionable on Friday, which you know, like, that's not probable. That means that they were not really sure whether he was going to play. Uh, and it uh, it sure seemed like the coaches sort of realized that he was in some ways limited. Because like you, I, I mean, I went back and looked at some other some like his combine numbers and uh, some like snippets of film from other games to like. Has this guy always been this bad? What is the story here? And I don't think he, I mean, I think he was hurt. I think he was, everyone at this point in the NFL season is playing with some nagging injury, but his, I think was really affecting him. Uh, You, in your piece about the Packers needing to move on from Mike Pettin, you, you also touched on like just his whole philosophy. Like these are, he's made some bad calls, but his whole philosophy is this like, mushy middle uh bend don't break i mean i think they were like 17th in defensive dvoa uh and that's exactly like it almost feels like mike pettin's going for 17th like that's his goal mm-hmm. it's just like uh, and you because you watch the chiefs like we'll talk about uh, what the chiefs do but uh, there's just there's no imagination whatsoever with the packers defense and they don't have the personnel to do that right and i feel like mike pettin is someone who probably believes that he's a little bit more creative than he actually is because I mean, yeah, we're at a point where, you know, you look at like nickel and dime or like nickels become the new base defense or whatever. And, you know, but there's limits to how far you can stretch this thing. Like you can't just go and be a defense that doesn't really have any legitimate like base or, or, or heavy packages. Like you can't, you can't sit and dime all the time and also have bad coverage calls. Like, yeah, it's one thing to be in dime a lot and be able to stop the pass. And, like, that's one form of creativity. But if you're just going out there with no real plan beyond, like, we're just going to get our fast guys on the field, then, then like, your your creativity is is kind of hollow. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. Like, I feel like Petten has the right ideas. Like, his philosophy is, is right. He just doesn't know how to execute it. Like, 
we celebrate the Rams for kind of doing the same things the Packers are doing, except for like the Rams are one, they're stopping the run when they play those lighter fronts. And then two, they're staying tight to routes in coverage. They're not playing Tampa two every snap like Pettin is. So he's got like the overall strategy down. He just doesn't have like the individual tactics down and, that costs them every time they go up against a good team. I think, like over the course of a regular season, when you're playing guys like Jake Luton and other and Mitch Trubisky, you could survive, and your defense actually looks competent at times. But when you go up against a great offense with all those weapons that the Bucks have, you're going to get exposed, and we saw them get exposed. And this defense was the Rams were moving the ball on them the week before too, so it's mm-hmm. not like this was a one-off thing. Like we saw it throughout the playoffs, this Packers defense needed to be better. Right. Uh, let's talk about the Bucks offense. Just we got, you know, we discussed that Brady was not super efficient running it, but uh, there really are so many weapons on this offense. Uh, Chris Godwin had five catches for 110 yards. Mike Evans had three for 51. He didn't. I mean, he had a bunch of plays where he looked like he could have made a play and didn't. Scotty Miller just had the two catches, but one of them was for that touchdown. Rob Kowski only had one catch. Cameron Breit. Uh, another, the other tight end had three, one for a TD. Uh, they got Fournette a little bit more involved in this game. He ran 12 times for 55 yards. He also caught five little dump offs, uh, really didn't go anywhere. And then Tyler Johnson uh, had one catch for 16 yards, but he also drew the uh, pass interference call that allowed the the Bucks to to close out the game. Essentially, uh, I like compared that to what we saw the the Packers running out there and their offensive weapons. It's the disparity there is just you just named like a billion guys and still didn't name Antonio Brown. All right, Antonio Brown didn't even play. Ridiculous. <laughs> right. And OJ Howard is hurt. Like this team right. is just loaded. It's I I honestly think it might be the deepest collection of receiver talent I, this league has ever seen. I was yeah. wondering that. I mean it's like it's really an astonishing group. I was texting someone during the game yesterday like Tom Brady's wide receiver five is one of the best college receivers that we've seen like over the past two, three years in Tyler Johnson. Like, you know, that, that kind of says it all. Uh, and, and to me, that even makes like the Brady versus Belichick stuff that we're going to see over the next few years, over the next few weeks sound even dumber because you're going to tell me if Bill Belichick had an offense with these guys, <laughs> like they wouldn't be in the same exact uh, spot. Uh, I mean, come on! Like, you don't think that if Bill, if you gave Bill Belichick, um, this Bill Belichick's undefeated with this, this right, right. Team, so right? you know, like, I, I don't, I, I really don't have any patience for that, uh, because that 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 discussion that we're going to see, because, dude, we already saw what Tom Brady looked like with not great supporting cast last year in New England, and like it got worse. So, yeah. It's just like, you know, Brady played pretty well this season, but I think it's also okay to say that he was propped up by a really good supporting cast, and then you got the luck of drafting Tristan Wurst in the first round, and he's a Hall of Fame right, right. tackle right at the gate, you know? So. <laughs> and you have the top defense in the league. Well, it's, it's okay to, to, to notice these things and to say that they're, they're happening, you know? It's also fair to point out that in the second half of last year, the Patriots' offense was worse than it was in 2020 when it was just an abomination that was hard to watch. So it's not like the Patriots' offense got better from where it was when Brady was last starting for them. So this the argument makes no sense to me at all. But people are going to push it anyway because he's Tom Brady. And we, we saw how people celebrated him after throwing three interceptions in the second half of 
the biggest game of the year. And like the, the storyline after is still, oh, he's clutch and he's a winner and he he's always going to give his team a chance when he did the opposite yesterday. He's the only reason the Packers had a chance. Yeah, not only that, not only is that the discord, but we're also getting discourse is, is Tom Brady the greatest American athlete of all time? And I also saw PFF tweet, is Tom Brady just the greatest athlete of all time? After that game, what? <laughs> the greatest athlete of all time? He's not even the greatest active athlete right now. Like, LeBron is better than him, obviously, right? Like, Mahomes Serena is Williams. I mean, oh, Serena Williams is better than him. Uh, I mean, I would argue that Tiger Woods is probably better than him. I don't know. That's a ridiculous conversation. No, no, no golfer can never be the greatest athlete. <laughs> That's and also, also, I'm, I'm going to add on to that. No non-running quarterback can be the greatest athlete of all time. I'm sorry. You got to do stuff, more stuff besides throw a ball. Yeah, I agree. It, I don't need, like, I honestly don't think he's better than Peyton Manning. So I, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I, 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 let's, let's, let's dig in on that. Like how much of this do we give credit to Tom Brady? Cause there's, so there's the play that we're talking about and like his play, if you really look at it, it's not been great. Uh, At best, you can say he's been inconsistent and he's had uh, high peaks where he's looked somewhat like his old self, but then other times he's been awful. Uh, But is there some sort of mental thing? Like, is there any validity to Tom Brady comes into your locker room and makes players believe in a way that Jameis Winston couldn't do last year or wouldn't have done this year? Any of that valid? I think I think that that's part of it. Like I think that guys, def- I think that I think that other NFL players definitely want to play with and for Tom Brady. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, you have a chance to to get a ring, and he seems like someone. Like maybe if we don't like him, it's it seems like his teammates generally do like him and care for him and and see him as like a, a cool a cool dude, but. Uh, I, I think there's also just like the amount of reps that you get. Like it, it's it's beyond just. Like physically, is he this player that he used to be? No, but like the reps that he's taken are like that's a level of experience that we haven't really seen at, at the NFL level. Dude, Tom Brady this year passed ten thousand career pass attempts. Right. Uh, so that 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 experience alone is going to help you out. Um, I don't. I don't want to say that he deserves like all the credit for this because, like you said, like he's been inconsistent, but. It pains me to say, but unfortunately, our takes that are not—I don't know if our takes, but my takes—that this was not going to look that much different from the James Winston offense. We're uh, we're much we're very clearly wrong. Yeah, I mean, his experience is obviously a, a benefit to the Bucks compared to James Winston, but I don't think that's like a unique thing with Tom Brady. Like you could say the same thing about Peyton Manning when he went to the Broncos. You could say the same thing probably about Drew Brees if, if he wanted to move on to another team, although he, his arm is a little more took. But, like, the intangible thing, I think there's a, a lot of quarterbacks that would add that. I don't think that's something that's just unique to Tom Brady. And I don't think there's anything in his game that you could point to and say, this is something Tom Brady does better than anybody ever. Maybe, like, pocket presence, but that's not the case anymore. He's getting rid of the ball before he takes a hit, like, a lot. We saw it in the in this game, like the interception. He just wanted to get rid of the ball. The the uh, screen pass where he just you know chucked it into the ground immediately, or like right when the snap was uh, made. So I don't know if you could say that about him during his Bucks career right now. Right. One thing I'd say about Tom Brady is that he, 
I think he has like an insane dedication and love for football. I think that his crazy routine where he's like not eating anything basically that tastes good and he's doing all this uh, the stuff he does with this weird trainer to stay ready uh, and that he just and you know he's famous for film study and, and being in there and, and really trying to understand the game like I think that he has something of an infectious desire to really study it and that that, that can sort of spread through a team uh, and to his credit, you know, after the game, he was like, football is the ultimate team sport. I think he was very much trying to deflect away from, because he knew, like, there were, you guys saw it all over Twitter, right? After his interceptions, he was on the sideline looking. Like, he went from, like, angry Tom to, like, confused Tom to dejected Tom after each of these interceptions. Uh, he knew that he was not great in that game and wanted to deflect the credit, so... I mean, I think that's usually true with Tom Brady. I think is it? Yeah. like the the hype is more is not him creating it himself. I don't think he even like no, he's not like he's that, into that. it. And it's it's right. the mystique. It's really been built up by the New England media, who just continues to just <laughs> pour praise on him, whether he plays well or not. Like it's all Tom, and like, he's uh, gone too. It's not even he's not even yeah. there. They don't even have to go see him in the locker room. Uh, yeah. Uh, how how about the matchup here? Like when you first think about this Bucks team and and where it might have some advantages over the Chiefs, what first springs to mind? Defensive line versus the Chiefs' offensive line, just because it's so banged up. I think they're down three right. starters right now. Yeah, yeah right. I think Eric Fisher got hurt with his Achilles yeah. yesterday too. Yeah. So yeah, he's out. So yeah. he's out. Schwartz, uh, Schwartz is gone. They lost. Uh, and then Andrew Wiley right. got hurt too. Yeah, Wiley got hurt. And they had an opt out from uh, Duvernay. Uh, Duvernay. And uh, so. Assembly's hurt too, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. Like, I know he's not playing. But... Whatever. You got Mahomes. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's the thing is you have Mahomes. And I don't know if this Bucks defensive line, as good as it is and as stout as it is it's built to stop the run really i don't know how great it is at getting pressure with just four without the aid of Bowles' blitz blitzes and that's not a luxury they're gonna have against mahomes judging by last game at least the chiefs are yeah mahomes was blitzed only nine times out of 52 or 53 dropbacks so right they have a much better chance with vita Vey in there right like he's I think so, but I really – I mean, he's a good player, a really good player, but their backup nose tackle was also very good when he went – when Vea was out. So I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. He's definitely a better player, but I don't think the margins are all that big. All right, let's talk oh, – go I'm ahead, Chuck. I'm kind of interested to see uh, really how well Tampa Bay's offensive line plays because, honestly, this can be another really clean game for – Tom Brady, uh, mm-hmm. if the Bucks off the line does what they're supposed to do. I mean, they don't. The, the Chiefs don't have anyone, any pass rusher that's beaten Tristan Wirfs. Uh, it's like you're really just kind of hoping that Chris Jones blows up the interior, but even the interior is pretty good too. So, uh, like Ali Marpet, wait, he, he's still playing, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he is. He's yeah. still playing. So you, you've got like Tristan Wirfs and Ali Marpet on the same side of the offensive line. Like that alone can be uh, just a massive uh, spot where uh, 
the Bucks can overwhelm the Chiefs. So I think that that's kind of where I'm looking at. As far as non-Mahomes like Mahomes matchups that maybe can flip the game in favor of the Bucks, like I think that that spot right there, like if they can keep Brady clean, which I kind of expect them to, I think that the Bucks have a shot to to give the Chiefs a shootout game. Yeah. I think they uh, Mar- Marquette might be playing left guard now. Uh, do you remember Steven? But, yeah, I mean, that's definitely an area where they're that's of strength. Um, yeah, Marpet or, played left guard yesterday. Yeah. So, but well, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I mean, I don't think left guard, right guard matters. Like, yeah. Jones is going to line up at three tech on either side. But, I mean, I really think it comes down to Spagnolo and his blitzing. Like, I don't think they're going to rely on a four man rush to beat, to beat this Bucks line. Cause if they do, it's going to be a clean game for Tom Brady. And I think I don't know if he's going to have the third straight bad game if he's kept clean all day long. So I think getting pressure on him is imperative, and the Chiefs were able to get pressure on him in the first game. So I think there's a chance that they will be able to get some of those blitzes to get home. And he was—I mean, he does not want to get hit. Like I mean, we've we've been making that observation for several years now. He like, that is one part of his game that has dropped off precipitously. He used to be a guy who would stand in and make the throw. And I'm not really seeing that. Yeah, I don't his, his two interceptions <laughs> against the Chiefs this year were both plays where he was just trying to get rid of the ball quickly, right. and he ended up throwing interceptions. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk Chiefs Bills and uh, Stephen. I'm still trying to, I'm trying to find this tweet that you sent this morning that I think really summed up this game. Uh, the Chiefs went to Tampa Bay and. Scored 27 points while going 0-3 on TDs in the red zone, kicking twice in fourth and committing 10 penalties. So, like, that's how good they were in that game. Uh, and, like, it felt a little bit like yesterday against the Bills. Like, again, they weren't even playing at their best, and they just really sort of walked away with this thing. Like, at the the Bills made this furious rally at the end that made the score look somewhat respectable, but it really wasn't. I mean, the Chiefs trounced this team. Yeah, it wasn't even a game. And, like, the Chiefs got off to the worst start possible. And this is what they've been doing all year long. Like, they hadn't been turning them into blowouts like they did yesterday. But during the season, it was just them shooting themselves in the foot and still winning games. And it happened in the first Bucks game. Right. And now I think we've seen – we've theorized that they were just waiting for the playoffs to flip a switch. And, like, they've made us look smart. Like, this is exactly what they've done. They just turned it on. I think they had a 94% DVOA yesterday, which is like the best game of the season. And then before Mahomes went out uh, the week before, they were at like 70. So this this Chiefs team is rolling now. And when they're rolling, nobody can beat them. The Bucks have to play a perfect game for this to even be a contest, in my opinion. Uh, Charles, you wrote this morning about the Chiefs defense and how, I mean, you know, it just sort of naturally takes a backseat to uh, the offense and Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, uh, but the defense has really been very good, and the, the cornerback group is fascinating to me. Uh, Stephen wrote a really good piece that we, we should probably actually resurface this piece from last year where Stephen diagnosed how Spagnuolo was, had sort of unlocked the, the Chiefs' defense and made it work. Uh, but this year, I, I mean, I feel like it's just like four cornerbacks that are all okay, and they make it work somehow. Uh, you know, like they, they, it's, it's the ultimate, uh, the whole is better than the sum of its parts, like this, this group. Uh, so tell me what you see from this defense and why you think it needs more credit than, than we're giving it so far. 
uh, I, I just like the way that they kind of like the, the way that they, they play together. It sounds corny, but like the stuff that they're doing coverage wise is not is not always that easy to pull off. Like we go back yesterday to that Bills or to, to the uh, early in the Bills Chiefs game when Josh Allen. Uh, uh, when Josh Allen almost threw an interception to Juan Thornhill and they're throwing the ball to a wheel route and Thornhill is like running and undercutting a pick and trying to set up uh, or running undercutting a pick and then almost picks off the ball and like the coverage matching that they're doing out of his own stuff is really, really impressive. And it's not like outside of Tyron Matthew, it's not really like they have um, uh like any big name right. in the secondary, uh, like Legarius Sneed, Daniel Sorensen, uh, Bashad Breland, and there are other guys in there. Rashad Fenton had a pick uh, against right. Josh Allen. And like, they're not household names, but they're just a group that plays really well. And they're kind of like the strength of that defense. Like, as big as the names of Frank Clark and Chris Jones on the defensive line, like the secondary performance has kind of carried them here. Uh, and I think that that's just a unit that, can give the Bucks problems uh, if they're able to. I guess if 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 they have the horses to kind of keep up with the Bucks receivers and man coverage. That's that's a group that has played enough reps together, and I think that Spags has done a good enough job orchestrating it. That that this is like a real factor for them in the playoffs or in, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it is weird that I mean I understand why the Chiefs defense doesn't get a lot of attention because Mahomes just his gravity for media <laughs> coverage, but it's, it's not just that the chiefs defense is good. It's that it's fun. Like Chuck alluded to with like the cut, there's doing a lot of matching stuff in the coverage. Spagnola is one of the, the most blitz happy coordinators in the league. He calls a lot of cover zero. They play a lot of man coverage. It's, it really reminds me of the Ravens defense and the Ravens defense gets a lot of credit for being fun and being aggressive. And the chiefs are doing like all the same things, but not getting nearly the amount of credit the, the Ravens are, but it's right there for me. And it's like one of the most fun watches every week. Their tape is always much uh, must watch just because Spagnola changes things on the fly and he changes things every week. It's a new game plan every week. And I think we're going to see something a little different from what we saw in week 12, because the Bucks did start to have some success in the second half. So I'm really interested to see what he does and whether he blitz Brady or not. What, what did they do to, to get to Josh Allen? Uh, you know, I don't know that Josh Allen was, bad Josh Allen yesterday, but he was not great Josh Allen, and he seemed a little bothered. And they did get some, you know, Frank Clark had a sack, uh, which we, we've been talking about. He's been largely ineffective. Chris Jones was great as usual, but it, it seemed like they they found a way to uh, sort of contain Allen in the way they wanted to contain him. Did you notice anything they were doing? You said they, they adjusted each week. Was there anything different yesterday that, that led to that? It's hard to say without watching the film, but like based on the the little packages we were seeing from CBS, like they're playing tight man coverage and the the Bills couldn't get open. It seemed like they were doubling and cutting the crossing routes that Stefan Diggs has had so much success mm-hmm. with this year. And I think that was the big thing. Josh Allen was seeing receivers getting covered in a way that he hadn't seen all season and the, the Chiefs were getting some pressure. Chris Jones is getting pressure and bothering him. And it's just harder to be accurate when you're throwing into tight windows. That's the case for everyone. Like you watch a team like the Patriots and and Cam Newton is always 
throwing away from the leverage of the defender because he's right on the receiver. Like it's very hard to be accurate when you're throwing those type of passes. And we saw it with Josh Allen, especially a guy like Allen, who's his accuracy has improved, but he's still not a, a very accurate quarterback. Like his micro level accurate, his ball placement away from defenders isn't where you want it to be yet. And we saw that be an issue yesterday. Uh, how, uh, I, you know, we talked about this a little bit already with the Eric Fisher, with the Fisher being out. Uh, I, I don't even know who replaces him. I'm trying to look at the depth chart and figure this out. Uh, I don't know if Remmers moves from right tackle to left tackle. Uh, it, it seems like a, a pretty big drop. And you, you think that with Mahomes, it probably doesn't matter. I mean, he's got enough presence and can move a little bit that he can mitigate any trouble there. Uh, I mean, it might be an issue if, if you know, you get a throwback performance from JPP and Shaq Barrett does what he kind of did in 2019. But, yeah, I, like this this offense just has so many answers. They can transform it into any type of defense. We've seen them be a quick strike offense, like quick passing game. We've seen them do the deep stuff. I think they can adjust to whatever they have to to survive this, this uh, mismatch between the line and the offensive line. And it's still going to work and still going to lead to points because they're that good. Uh, what I, I mean, obviously, the, the matchup that we're looking at here is this: the, the Chiefs' offense is unstoppable. Right? I mean, is there is there anything nope, that you've nope. seen from? Yeah, like <laughs> nobody that can hide, that can cover Travis, Travis Kelsey, right? Like the Bucks don't have some. Devin White's fast and good, but. It's, well, no it's one, ha- like no one can, no one in the league can cover Travis Kelsey. That's, it's just is what it is. Right. And I'm seeing a lot of Bucks fans like say, "Oh, in the second half they slowed down the Chiefs because they changed their game plan. Like they went from single high to playing a lot of cover two. Okay, good luck playing Tampa two against uh, Patrick Mahomes all day, especially with Travis Kelsey, who I think is the best tight end at like finding holes in the zone. And their like connection is crazy. It's like their minds are linked when they when Mahomes gets outside the pocket and uh Kelsey scrambling to get open in the holes in the zone and I think if that's the strategy the Bucks are going to employ he might I I predicted in the post I wrote last night that I think he might set a record for receptions in the Super Bowl uh it looks like Andrew Wiley moved to right tackle yesterday I'm just looking at the uh play plays here uh Wiley's like a a very average at best right guard probably not even probably below average right guard so uh he moved right tackles, but you know, it just doesn't matter, man. I mean, <laughs> it really. How we need a build hype for this game. You guys, I know, I know. <laughs> I think the hype is that like you put Mahomes with, and it's just you know, amazing. Yeah, three For blind mice is offensive line <laughs> figure this thing out. Like, like with all the offensive line shuffling that we're talking about and that he's gone through, he threw three to twenty-five yards, three touchdowns. Nine passes dropped the ground, and he was sacked one time for zero yards. So, like, he'll 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 be all right. Uh, I I I maybe it'll be interesting to see where the Bucks try to take this thing over. But like, even if you pressure Mahomes, he'll just get out the pocket. And like you said, we'll find Travis Kelsey for fifteen yards, or he'll throw a, a, a heave to Tyreek Hill where you don't even see the ball on the screen. And next thing you know, it's just in the end zone. It's just it, it's it's just crazy, but. Uh, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what Bowles can can kind of call up for this game. Uh, I, I don't know if getting super aggressive and just say we're just going to blow up the pocket and live with the uh, like the high variance out of pocket throws is the right strategy. But 
it, it'll be it'll be fun to see someone just come after Mahomes and try to make life hell for him. I hope that's what he does. I think that's their best chance to win, or their only chance to win is it being a high scoring game. Like this isn't going to be a, a defensive struggle. So I think the high variance approach is the way to probably go. Just try to force them into maybe two or three picks, and I think that gives you a shot if Tom Brady is on and that offense is clicking. Otherwise, if you're going to sit back and cover two all day, like you're not only going to lose, but you're going to lose in the most boring, cowardly way possible. Don't do that. And I don't think Todd Bowles will. He's a guy that likes to play tight man coverage. He likes to blitz, and I hope he does that because the game will be a lot more fun. Uh, we talked about Tampa Bay's uh, just incredible group of receivers and offensive weapons. Kansas City, they like make. That's what you can tell with this offense is they make players good. That like like Byron Pringle had three catches for twenty two yards. Like I'm pretty sure that's not a real person. Like he may have just come down from the stands and started playing. Yeah, um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that was like a. a an advertising stunt by the Pringle chips people. Like yeah, they, I, they paid, they paid the chiefs to change a guy's name to Pringle. They just make these players into like, and like Nicole Hardman didn't really do much catching the ball, but he ran the ball once for 50 yards. Like they just found a way to get him open on the edge and he <laughs> just flew. Uh, like there are guys that they didn't even get around to trying to throw the ball to here who were good. And they haven't had Sammy Watkins for a while. Like, but they, they just find ways to make it work. Like this offense is just so dynamic. Um, you, you know, it, all, it starts with Hill and Kelsey, right? Because teams have to pay attention to those two, and it's impossible to even slow those de- two down. So everybody else is sort of left open. And- yeah, and Hill and Kelsey are like the perfect matchup. Just their skill sets just mesh so perfectly. Like, mm-hmm. how? which one do you double? Because if you double Tyreek Hill and – you need to take a, a player out of the middle, and now the middle is open for Kelsey to just destroy linebackers and safety. So there really is real. I, I mean, I don't know if there's a way to really guard them unless you have a defensive back who's capable of manning up with Travis Kelsey. Which what is there like maybe one guy, Jalen Ramsey, on earth that can do that? I don't. I don't even know if Ramsey could do it. All right, uh, all right, Stephen. I want to get to your early uh, predictions, which we've sort of already touched on a little bit as we had this conversation, but uh, this is a post on our site over for the win uh, five early predictions for how Super Bowl 55 will play out. Spoiler, the chiefs are going to win. Uh, I don't think we've been shy about that, uh, having that viewpoint, but your number one prediction is that Tom Brady will have a rough day. Um, you, you said earlier in the show that he's, you doubt he'll have a, a third bad game in a row if he gets good protection. So I guess you're thinking that the Chiefs will find ways again to get to him. Yeah, that's kind of what Spagnolo has been doing since he's taken over as defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Like he's been blitzing a lot, and and teams, even the teams that are have been so good at picking up blitzes, like the Bills coming into this game, the Bills just weren't allowing anyone to get to Josh Allen. But it changed because Spagnolo is one of the best at designing these blitzes and then putting the right coverage behind them to prohibit throws. And we saw this in the first game. Like Tom Brady looks so unsure of himself against the chiefs the first time around. I don't think anything's going to change. I don't, I know people have said the bucks offense has changed a bit. I think they're calling a few more play actions, but that's really the only way it's changed. And I don't think like as hard as deep as they are at receiver, I think the chiefs, like we said, have a, 
enough depth in the secondary to match up with them a little bit. And if you're forcing Tom Brady to be the one that beats you, that's when we've seen this Tampa Bay offense struggle this year. Uh, your number two prediction is Patrick Mahomes will be under pressure. We, we got into that a little bit. I mean, ultimately, we just think that he handles it so well, it's not going to matter that much. Yeah, that's. I, I think I think Bowles is going to try to blitz him just knowing how the offensive line is uh, beat up. And Mahomes is still dealing with a toe injury, although it didn't seem like it on Sunday. So I think that might convince him that he can get away with blitzing this time around. And I, I didn't mention it in the post and I should have Jamil Dean is back. And I think that he wasn't there for the first game. So Carlton Davis had to guard Tyreek Hill one-on-one and that did not work. Tyreek Hill had like 13 catches for 270 yards and three touchdowns. I think Dean will be the one that takes him because he is faster. And then maybe Carlton Davis goes over, over to Kelsey and that really lets the dominoes fall into place and their matchups make a little more sense. And I think that could also convince Bulls to blitz a lot this time. And if it happens, I do think Mahomes is going to be under pressure. It's just like, how is he going to handle it? And based on everything we've seen in the playoffs, I think he's going to handle it okay. Uh, Your third prediction is that Travis Kelsey will have a huge day. And this is based off sort of what what we saw in the last uh, Chiefs-Bucks game and, and specifically Tyreek Hill. You just mentioned that he had a huge day. He did have 13 catches for 269 yards. And six uh, of those, I think, were 10-plus air yards and ultimately went for 217 of those yards. I mean, they really attacked downfield. So your prediction here is that Travis Kelsey will have a huge game because Tampa Bay sort of has no choice but to say, we're not going to let Hill do that, so we're going to keep players over the top and try to limit that. And that's where Kelsey then will feast. Like you were talking about, these the, the talents mesh here and make it impossible to stop both at the same time yeah and as i mentioned earlier like when mahomes gets pressured and gets outside of the pocket it's usually kelsey he's looking at so if he is under pressure i think kelsey's going to be his outlet all day and then he's just going to be targeted anyway because he's such a great player so i would not be surprised if he has like 13 catches and maybe if if mahomes throws an interception or two maybe kelsey will get an mvp vote or two i don't know mahomes is probably going to win if the chiefs win but i think kelsey's going to put up a lot of production uh, your fourth prediction is the Chiefs might not get to 10 runs unless it's a blowout. Uh, I'm wondering if there's going to be 10 runs in the entire game because the Bucks should also not run the football. Like This should just be this should be the, uh, the Super Bowl that the nerds love. There should just be no running. But I feel like Arians is a little more stubborn than Reed is. Like, Reed is not going to run into a brick wall. That's why he's a good offensive coach. Like, he's if you're playing – with these three, four fronts and loading the box, like he's just going to call a RPO and Mahomes is probably going to flip it outside for like eight or 10 yards. And that's what happened in the first game. And I wrote that before I really watched, went back and watched this game, but the Chiefs ran a bunch of RPO and like a, in different types of RPOs. So I think we're going to see a similar game plan this time around. And if the Bucks are loading the box, he's not going to be handed off. He's going to be passing. Uh, your fifth prediction is the Chiefs will win and cover easily. Charles, I want to ask you, uh, what's what's your take on this? The, the line, it's apparently down to three points. It opened at three point five. Take the Chiefs. Down. I, yeah, what is going? What does Vegas know? Like, what is happening here? I think that they're just kind of hedging for you know Tom Brady just yeah. bringing one of the rabbit feet that he sleeps on out to the stadium and <laughs> some, some crazy voodoo luck go his way because we know we all know that that is one hundred percent on the table. Like it, the Chiefs are the better team. 
Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback. Andy Reid's a better coach than uh, Bruce Arians. They have, I think the Chiefs have, you know, a better coaching staff, but Tom Brady is still like the luckiest player in the history of American sports. So, right. I, 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 you know, would expect the Chiefs to come out and win this game. I mean, I just think they have the offensive firepower and the defensive coordination to, to honestly beat the, beat the Bucks pretty handily. But, you know, this is still Tom Brady. He's lucked his way into getting a home game. So, like, if anything happens where he ends up, you know, throwing a, a 50-50 terrible pass to Mike Evans that comes out for a game when you score, and then we celebrate him as the greatest athlete in the history of the universe, then I don't I, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think I think the, the smart the smart play is to take the Chiefs. Uh just because I I don't think that this Bucks defense is that spot where they can they can slow down Mahomes because I I mean I think I guess I guess they did a pretty good job against Green Bay, but I think some of that was like Green Bay being conservative and shooting themselves in the foot a, a couple times, especially when they right. got into the red zone more than anything. Right. So I, I mean, I, if the Chiefs score 38 points again, I, I don't think anyone's allowed to be surprised. Right. I mean, this line is probably impacted by the, the quote unquote home game. And I mean, it is a home game for the Bucks. Like they will have the advantage of playing in their stadium. But uh, as far as we know, the NFL is going to severely limit the number of tickets. It's going to be, around 16,000 for sale and those will probably spread throughout the country uh like the secondary market t- uh, florida fans were already scouring the secondary market before the championship game like so there's obviously going to be more tampa fans there the nfl is also giving away 7,500 tickets to uh vaccinated health workers so they can come and most of those are going to be local tampa bay people but like we're still not talking about like a big raucous stadium full entirely of tampa bay fans like that's not what this environment is going to be uh so i think that any home field advantage would probably be mitigated other than the like we're playing in the stadium we know well uh that creates some level of advantage but probably not that much in reality and I also think that line is somewhat influenced by the Chiefs just I guess lackluster performance. It's it's funny to say about a team that went fourteen and one when it was playing its starters, but kind of sleepwalking through the regular season. They like hadn't right. covered in a long time. This was the first time they covered in like two months. So maybe that's playing into no, it. But I really think yeah. this is a different Chiefs team than what we saw even in that week twelve game. Right. I, I think the Chiefs Last year, the Chiefs needed to mount that comeback to beat the, the 49ers and, and sort of needed some things to go their way in the second half. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think this team, as we've been talking about, knows how to turn turn the switch now and, and sort of understands a little bit better what it's going to mean to play in this game. Uh, that's another, like, we've always seen Brady go to the Super Bowl with the Patriots and have that core around him that understands these two weeks of constant media attention and just sort of the build up and uh it is a weird experience and playing in the super bowl is weird Uh, it's it's there's no other football game like it because there's so much commercial time there's so much other stuff around it the game sort of it happens at a lull you know like we we've covered it before like been there in person and it's a slow weird football game uh and it has so much build up before it so it's I think Brady has always had people around him who knew and understood that. Uh, and he's probably going to have to do some teaching on that front. Whereas the chiefs are one year removed from having to go 
through it. So I don't know. I guess we'll see how all that factors out. This is the the fun stuff we get to talk about for the next two weeks, as we as we absolutely will not be talking about the Brady Belichick thing. <laughs> uh, We've written enough about that over the last yeah. year. Uh, I want to talk uh, about the, the the dejected teams, the dejected ejected teams, uh, the Bills. Let's start there. Uh, I think the Packers are more interesting, so I'll save that. Uh, keep people keep people listening. Uh, what what is next for the Bills? Uh, you, Stephen, you sent us a long list of free agents. Uh, that's you know, it's not like they're going to lose Josh Allen or Diggs or the, the big name guys, and it looks like they're going to be able to keep on keep Brian Dable, uh, which is probably their biggest retention in, in the offseason. But they are going to lose a lot of really important pieces. It looks like because they're they're right at the cap. They're like five. I think they're projected to be five million over, which really means they're. They're right there. Um, so what what happens next for the Bills? Are, is this is an ascendant team that will be favored, you think, next year? Uh, I, I still think they need improvement from Josh Allen if they are going to repeat what they did this year because they're going to lose – I think they're going to lose at least one starter from the offensive line. John Brown is probably going to get cut because they need that that money that they could save. I think they can save like $9 million by cutting him. So it's just I, I just think it's going to be – a thinner team this time around. And I'm expecting the AFC East to be a little better this year. I don't think the Jets are going to be a total dumpster fire. The Patriots have the means to get better in the offseason. And Bill Belichick is still there. And then the Dolphins are obviously a team on the run. And they could have a new quarterback going into next year. So I'm not sure. Like, people have said, oh, the uh, the Bills will be back. But I'm not sure if that's the case. Like, Josh Allen was very good this year. But there's no denying that. A lot of that statistical improvement, that remarkable statistical improvement, was the product of unsustainable play. Like he was so good on deep passes, and you have to expect that to regress back to his career mean in some way next year. And if they lose John Feliciano, who's the guard who really improved that offensive line over the second half, then I think he's going to be under pressure a lot more, and we might see a few more mistakes out of him. Charles, what do you think? I, I think it's going to be tough because the, the Bills the Bills defense has to get better too. I mean, this was not the same unit that was one of the toughest defenses in, is, at defenses in the league to play as we clearly saw Last year. Uh, on Sunday. Like, they they were a below average defensive unit and uh, that's that's really just not going to cut it for them next year uh, because – you know, I think I think the the Bucks passing efficiency is going to come down a little bit. I'm not sure if it's going to like fully torpedo, but you know, I think if you're a Bills fan, you might be a little concerned about what you saw from Josh Allen. Not just this game, but also that game versus the Ravens. This wasn't uh, a very strong performance for him. And versus the Chiefs, like they couldn't really get any offense going until late in the game. Like the first touchdown they scored was really only because Miko Hartman fumbled the ball in the punt and they got the ball like the two or three yard lines. Like if he right. does score a touchdown this situation. And they got a pick six against the Ravens. Right. And right. And they got a pick six against the Ravens. So uh it, it's I, like I would definitely be a little bit concerned about the state of the offense. Like luckily you're getting dabble back, so that continuity should help a little bit. But uh I think that if you're a Bills fan, you need to be hoping for the defense to get a bit better too, because that offensive efficiency probably shouldn't be expected to maintain just based on like what we know about 
regression and uh, how Josh Allen performed in the years prior to this year, I think that you should probably expect uh, a drop-off from the offensive production, which means you're going to need the defensive production to stay up. And that's also tough. And now you have two teams in your division that are vying for Deshaun Watson services and have the draft capital to pull that off. So uh, we'll see. Like This is a this is a pretty pivotal offseason for the AFC East. And, and like Steven said, Belichick and the Patriots are going to have a ton of cap space. And, right. Uh, they're going to be able to add players to the team in, in an offseason where a lot of teams are going to be strapped for cash. So that that's another avenue where uh, they could see a contender in the AFC. So, you know, I, I think that this kind of stings if you're a Bills fan because the teams in your division have the space and the draft capital to get, like, immediately better this offseason while you need to kind of keep these things afloat and, and also get better at the same time. Yeah, I uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is sort of thinking that about the Packers after that loss is that this was his best chance and they they are not going to be able to keep it afloat. Uh, even though we've we've already talked about the fact that they didn't do enough in the offseason, uh, Stephen wrote about this that you know, obviously drafting Jordan Love when they could have drafted any number of players to try to give Aaron Rodgers more help was the first sin, but there were other things they did. You know, they just did not do much to, to, it didn't seem, I think you wrote in your piece, you had like, they didn't seem to think that the window was open. They were already looking at the next window, even though they'd just been to the NFC championship game and had Aaron Rodgers on their team, they were planning too far ahead. Uh, you know, I think we are proponents of teams getting out in front and, and and you need to go through that process, but it seems like the Packers went too quickly and didn't do enough to help Rodgers, and it seemed like he was fully aware of that situation after the game yesterday. Uh, as I said before, he just was—he was talking about so many guys have—they uh, don't they have unknown futures, including him. Um, it just really seems like he is trying to figure out what to do next. And Adam Schefter is, is reporting today something that we've been talking a lot about: that Rodgers controls his own destiny. In the same way that Deshaun Watson does because he's so good. And it turned out that Matthew Stafford even had the leverage to go to the Lions and say, hey, I want out. And, uh, you know, I think they decided to make that move, too, because it, it works for them. But uh, these quarterbacks that are, that are good can can write their own rules. And that includes Rodgers. And I'm sure he's trying to figure out what's going to happen next. Uh, right before we started re- recording Steven I know you dropped sort of a, a debate where you debated yourself about what uh, Roger should do moving forward and I think I, I read it briefly but my takeaway is that you you do think he should move on that his best course of action is to find somewhere else where he's going to have more weapons yeah when I first started writing it I assumed that I would be more on the side that he should stay but when I was trying to come up with an argument for why he should stay in Green Bay it was really hard because we know last year they didn't give him any help like they drafted three guys that played a combined 130 snaps their big free agent signings were Christian Kirksey who didn't play a whole lot and was bad when he did play in Ricky Wagner who was an issue when it, when it, he had to play at, due to injuries so they gave him no weapons last year and they don't have the means to give him any weapons this year. They have minus $27 million in cap space to start the offseason. They have one top 50 pick next year just because of how well they played this season in the, the draft order. So 
where are they going to find this cornerback or this receiver that they need to compete with the best teams in the NFC and to compete with a team like the Chiefs? I don't know how they're going to be able to add to it. So really the only thing the Packers can can offer him are the his comfort in this offense in year two, which has obviously grown. And the Packers have one of the best pass blocking units in the league. But the Colts can offer you a great offensive line too. The 49ers can offer you that system. They can offer you Kyle Shanahan. They they got the Packers have great value, Kyle Shanahan. Why don't you he can upgrade to the real thing and they have a great defense if it if it's healthy next year. They have a decent receiving core. They have, they're going to have a good running game. Like the 49ers can offer you anything that the Packers can offer you. The Colts can offer you anything the Packers can offer you. But those teams didn't draft a quarterback in the first round when you need a receiver. <laughs> right. And also, I think the Packers are going to move on from him next offseason anyway. Like So Rodgers might as well get a head start. His, his contract is easier to move on next offseason. I think that's when they can get out of it. They drafted Jordan Love for a reason. And this is around the same age that the Packers moved on from Brett Favre. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do it again with Rodgers. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, it just – it, it's got to suck to be Jordan Love right now. You're like, damn, like I ain't even doing it. <laughs> and I'm about to be put into a spot where people automatically hate me. Uh, but like, if you're, if you're Aaron Rodgers, like why wouldn't he be trying to get out right now? Like during this off season, because like, there's only, there are only so many more years that he can play like this, like at this level. So if you have right. a team that, it might be one, which is right, why, right. Like, why it, not go. It, exactly. It might, it might be one. So why not try to maximize whatever you have left for your career? And, like, obviously, like, I think that that's possible in Green Bay for him to to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But you're seeing two years in a row you've wasted an NFC, NFC championship game on this awful defense. And then, uh, you know, they were a little bit more conservative uh, than they need to be uh, yesterday against Tampa Bay. And now you're sitting here where you're like, well, my replacement's already here. So why not just bounce and, and go start the rest of my career elsewhere? Like you said, like there's so many good options for him to choose, like so many good offensive coordinators or offensive coaches that need a quarterback for his upcoming year. And as we saw, like Rogers still playing at the peak of his ability. So if he if he can just go somewhere like Indianapolis or San Francisco and buy in for a year, like I don't see why I don't think I, I don't see why he, why he couldn't be here again next year. But like that's also possible with the Packers, too, which is why it's kind of hard to just make that decision uh, right now. But he definitely seemed like he was out, on the way out the door. And it's hard to blame him considering how much power he has in that organization and that he can really pick where he wants to go for his landing spot. If I'm him and I'm watching Tom Brady throw three interceptions and still make the Super Bowl with that star-studded receiving core, I'm I'm <laughs> thinking about leaving and, and looking for more. Because without Aaron Rodgers, I think this Packers team probably wins four games, five games. So if he can go to a team that can win 10 games with a lesser quarterback, then I think he should pursue that. Like even a team like Washington, I think, might give him a better chance at winning the Super Bowl than the Packers next year because the Packers aren't going to get better. It doesn't like I can't see any avenue for them getting better with the resources they have for this offseason, which is basically they have the twenty eighth pick and they have no cap space. I don't I don't know where they find the contributors to improve this team, how they need to be improved in order to compete for a Super Bowl next year. 
uh, easily the most intriguing QB carousel in history, right? I mean, we already have yeah. Sean Watson kicking around, uh, Stafford. Uh, I mean, like Carson Cam, Wentz. Cam, Cam, awful, right? Uh, like Carson Wentz was awful, but he was the number two pick not too long ago, and uh, there's it's just an incredible Stafford. It's uh, it's an off season unlike any we've ever approached, really. And one thing we didn't mention with the Bills is that this is probably the offseason where they have to re-sign Josh Allen unless they're, right. they're willing to let him just play on the fifth-year option and take that chance that they'll have to franchise tag him. But, I mean, based on where his stock is right now, that's there's almost no chance that he's gonna they're going to get any value from that deal because they're, you're going to have to pay him based on what he did this year. And even if everyone realizes it's not gonna be, they're not going to be able to rep- replicate that offense again, they're still going to have to give him like thirty million. I don't I like. Do you do that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, again, I, I always bring this up, but like, I think there's almost no way that they don't. Like, John, he's the face of the franchise yeah. for a, a fan base that is very clearly in love with the guy. Uh, so, yeah, they loved him when he wasn't putting up. When he was like the right. 29th graded quarterback in the league, they loved him. So, yeah. Right. Uh, so it's tough. All right. Well, we're going to uh, Stephen and Charles will probably dig in on a bunch of film over the next couple of days and mm-hmm. start breaking down this Chiefs Bucks matchup in more detail, trying to get into the nitty gritty of how it's actually going to play out. I know we all we generally try to put our coaches' hats on, uh, which <laughs> doesn't always go super well, but I think we've hit on it a few times where we try to predict sort of what each coordinator is going to end up doing with the game plan and, and how things will unfold. That's always a really fun feature. Uh, these two weeks, as, as I said earlier in the show, it's, this is uh, everyone in the world is, is focused on the NFL for two weeks and every storyline gets immediately played out and choked. And uh, it's hard to find anything super original to say, but we're going to do our best to dig in on, on what we see and what the numbers show us. To, to bring you some analysis. Um, join us over on Twitter. Charles is at Forbert. Stevens at the Stephen Ruiz. I'm at Chris Corman. Uh, love to talk to you over there and find us for the win. FTW.usatoday.com. Uh, how do you guys want to close it? Any, any thoughts we didn't get to? Any lingering observations? Uh. <laughs> go Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, go Chiefs, I guess. But if Brady <laughs> wins one, like who cares at this point? He already ruined my life in Super Bowl 51. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I can't wait for uh, Charles's post Super Bowl column. Tom Brady, colon, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Tom Brady, who gives a damn? Just, just, just retire, baby. <laughs> Find a new bit. I'm talking yeah. Super Bowl. When do Super Bowl <laughs> Oh my God, that'd be so funny. Tom Brady, find a new bit already. <laughs> Go succeed at something else. One trick pony. Or just no. lose, dude. all right thanks for joining us here at the counter we will talk to you thursday take care the counter an nfl podcast from usa today sports 